Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's message from Pastor Josh Shoemaker. I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. I was hearing that song this week, and uh, I, I called Paul yesterday, and I said, hey, do you think we could, uh, we could put that together for tomorrow? And uh, he said, yes, and looky there, we, we were able to pull it together. But um, again, I will rest in your promises. My confidence is in your faithfulness. This, those two lines right there describe what my message was last week. Resting, the place of confident rest is the place of trust. It's the place of trust. Last week, I said that one of the greatest epidemics of our time is restlessness. How many of you would would agree with that? One of the greatest epidemics of our time is restlessness. The sad thing is, is that it's not just an epidemic that is found in the world around us. It's an epidemic that is just as present in the body of Christ. A people who are restless, a people that are living in a place in a state of anxiety, who are constantly in that fight or flight mentality, a people who have not been able to enter into a place of rest called inherit, that we are to inherit in a place called rest. But I believe that Yahweh is beginning to change that narrative. Let me say that again. I believe Yahweh is going to change that narrative. I believe he's changing that, and I know he's changing that narrative in me. Church, I have a long way to go. But he's beginning to change that narrative in me to be able to come into a place of rest. I believe he's changing that narrative in this church, in this body right here, that a people that are called sons and daughters of God are going to enter into a realm, a place called rest. That it's not just a momentary thing where we rest and then we work, and then we rest and then we work. We rest and then we wear ourselves out all over again and then we, we, we rest once again. No, I believe we're going to come into a place called rest, a realm called rest, where our life becomes rest. Abba is inviting us into a realm of confident rest. A rest that is not something we earn. It's not something that we work our way into. And it's not only a gift. It's an inheritance. It's an inheritance that is for those who are called sons and daughters of God. A rest that does not take us out of responsibility, but instead brings us into a place of delight. A rest where yokes become easy and burdens become light. Come on. A rest where burdens become light and yokes become easy. I believe with all my heart that this, what the world is groaning for in the manifestations of the sons and daughters of God. Right? It tells us in Romans that the world is groaning. They're waiting for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. And I believe that part of that manifestation that they're waiting for is to see a people who have entered into a place called rest. 
where they've entered into a place called rest. I read a quote to you last week from Rich Velodes. It says, in a world torn by rage and anxiety, one of the greatest gifts followers of Jesus are called to offer is simple, non-anxious, calm presence. Not presence removed from this reality, but a presence that refuses to be shaped by it. A presence that refuses to be shaped by it. I believe this is part of what the world is groaning for, for in the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. Children of God that can come into storms and not be moved by them. Rather, the storm is moved by them. Let me say that one more time. Children of God that can come into storms and not be moved by them, but rather the storm is moved by the sons and daughters of God. This is what it looks like to come into the rest that is our inheritance from the Father. And I believe that the Lord, that Abba is inviting us into this realm, that he's changing the narrative, that we will be a people that enter into a place called confident rest in him. Amen? Now, there seems to be a little bit of a contradiction when we talk about the word rest. The word rest in the Greek is katapausis, which means literally to cease from work. To cease from work. So at first glance, it looks like God is telling us to do nothing. That we are to live a life of rest, which is to cease from work, which means what? We are to do nothing. I went to, uh, we went to Alabama for ministry school, and I can tell you that there were some students in ministry school that took this rest thing to a whole nother level. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> to cease from work, right? So this is literally what the word means in the Greek when Jesus calls us into the inheritance of rest. It literally means to cease from work. Yet in John chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus, you can see him there being criticized by the Pharisees for healing a man on the Sabbath. And Jesus' response to them is this, my father is always working and so am I. He calls us into a place of rest, which means literally to cease from work, but he says the father never ceases from working and neither do I. James, the brother of Jesus, says in James chapter 2, it says, faith without what? Works is dead. He says, in fact, I will show you my faith by my works. So which is it? Do we enter into a realm called rest where we cease from works, or do we constantly work and prove our faith by our works? There seems to be somewhat of a contradiction here in the scriptures, but let me show you that there is no contradiction. How do we come into a place of rest, which is to cease from work, yet show our faith by our works? Let me show you. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to start in verse 28 and read through verse 31. If you get there, give me a woot woot. There's a few of few of you that would win in the, the sword battle, right? You remember those games? Flipping. Who, who's already there? Nice. Nice. The Bible scholars in the room. If you're still looking for it, it's on page 499 in my Bible. 
Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 28. It says, have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. And here's the one everybody knows. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and shall not faint. The first thing you have to see in this passage is this, that the father does not get restless. It seems elementary, right? But we have to understand something, that the father does not get restless. He does not get weary. What does it say? He does not get weary and he does not faint. He created the entire world. And when he created the world, the Bible says that he did not get tired for one moment. He does not weary and he does not faint. Then look at verse 31. It says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wings, mount up with wings like eagles. And listen, they shall run and not be what? Weary. They shall walk and not faint. What does it say of the Lord in the previous verse? That he does not become weary. He does not faint. And then in verse 31, it says that those who wait on the Lord do what? They do not become weary and they do not faint. It's easy for us to believe that the Lord who created the cosmos does not get weary or faint, but it's much more difficult for us to understand that we can come into a place where we do not get weary and we do not faint. Earlier this week, we had our first football game. Uh, Malachi plays football. He's a left guard, and he's on offense. He's a left tackle on defense, and uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. I help coach, and uh, we have a blast. We had our first game this last Wednesday, and, uh, well, we did a whole lot better than Purdue did yesterday. We won. Um, shut out. I can't remember what the score was. What was it? 14-0. to So go Madison Grant. Sixth grade, Madison Grant, sixth grade. We did well, um, but but we had so we have about fourteen. I think we have fourteen players on our team, which is actually a pretty small for a football team. And so uh, a lot of our players, uh, really most of our players, are playing offense, defense, special teams. They're doing everything. They don't ever come off the field. Many of them um, don't ever come off the field. And so you can imagine how tired you would get playing football both ways and, and never having a break, never having a, 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 a chance to stop and take a breath. So halftime comes, and I expect the team to come in to plop on the bench, to drink down, guzzle down a bunch of water, and to sit for a little while and rest up for the next half. You know what they did? They came out, they took their helmet off, they're barely sweating right? 
they get a little drink, and then they go over and they start running routes with each other, playing catch with the football, and they're running back and forth at halftime. You know, and again, they're playing both ways. They're getting, I would think they'd be tired, but instead they're, they're not resting. They're actually not fainting, right? They didn't become weary. <laughs> they did not, they must have been waiting on the Lord, amen? <laughs> Yet it tells us in verse 28, it says that even the youth, become weary eventually. Even the young ones eventually get tired, right? I didn't see it that day, but if, if we would have kept going, eventually they would have worn out and gotten tired. But then it says, but those who do what? Wait on the Lord. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. How do we get to a place where we so take on the rest of God that we neither faint nor become weary like he never faints nor becomes weary. The answer is right there, those who wait on the Lord. The word wait is an interesting word in both the English definition and the Hebrew. When we think of the word wait, we often think of inactivity, don't we? Right, we're waiting at the BMV, right? We're waiting uh, in line at the grocery store. What does waiting look like in the 21st century? It looks like this, right? Just scroll on Facebook. Inactivity. We're waiting for the preacher to wrap it up, right? It's, and that looks more like this. But waiting seems like inactivity, right? But here's the interesting thing about the word wait. The word wait in, the English, in, the, in, in our English language is actually a verb, Where's Miss Donna Downs at this morning? There she is. She's an English professor at Taylor University and a writer. So if I get any of this wrong, let me know, okay? But the word wait is actually a verb. A verb is used to describe an action or an active state. Wait is a verb because you are in a state of expecting an action. Wait is a verb because you are in a state of expecting an action. So when it tells us to wait on the Lord, it is not coming into a place of inactivity. It's coming into a place of expectation and a place of what? Trust because you are waiting on the Lord who is faithful to complete his promises. So you are not waiting in inactivity you are actually waiting in a place of waiting for the, your God to become active in that situation. That's why the definition of the word in Hebrew means this, to endure patiently in confident hope. You're not being inactive. You're being, in, you're being patient, waiting in confident hope for the Lord to come and to renew your strength. The word in Hebrew is the word kavah. The word wait in Hebrew is the word kavah. And it means, again, to wait, to endure patiently and confident hope. So if I find myself in a difficult situation, I don't have to become restless. I don't have to wear myself out with worry or activity. I just have to wait to endure patiently with confident hope that he will take action. 
But there's more to this word. I love Hebrew language because there's always layers of meaning to these words. Again, the word is kavah in the Hebrew. It also means this. It means to tie together, twisting, to intertwine, to wrap tightly, or to braid together. So the verse could read like this. Those who intertwine themselves with the Lord shall renew their strength. Waiting is the place where we become intertwined or braided with the Lord. It's not a state of inactivity. There is something that is happening when we choose to wait on the Lord, and it's this. We become intertwined with the Father. We become braided together. His strength, what happens when you become braided? His strength becomes your strength. His his, uh, power becomes your power. And get this, his perspective becomes your perspective. When you learn how to wait on the Lord, it begins changing the way you are viewing the situation you are in. Which is why the next verse says that those who wait on the Lord, what do they do? They mount up on wings like eagles. Eagles fly about 15,000 feet in the air. When you wait on the Lord and become braided with him, you get his perspective from 15,000 feet in the air. You're no longer looking at the situation as just your own, within your own eyes, from an eye level, from your perspective. You get a 15,000 foot of the situation and his perspective becomes your perspective. His strength becomes your strength. His power becomes your power you begin to see things like the Father sees them. And suddenly, things don't seem so impossible anymore. Suddenly, what was causing you to have anxiety and fear and restlessness now doesn't look so big anymore. It doesn't look like an immovable mountain anymore because you begin to see it from His perspective. You begin to tackle the situation, not with your own might, but with his. You know what happens when you intertwine with the Father? His perspective becomes your perspective. But hear this as well. You stop flapping your wings to stay in the air. They shall mount up like wings, with wings like eagles. If you ever watch an eagle eagle fly, they rarely flap their wings, do they, Pastor Ryan? You could watch an eagle for hours and watch how he just spreads his wings out and floats around in the air, rarely doing any sort of work whatsoever. He just glides and soars. Eagles very rarely flap their wings. Instead, they mount up. They open their wings and get this, they let the wind cause them to ascend. They let the wind cause them to ascend. Church, this is how you cease from work, but still soar. 
this is how you run and not grow weary. This is how you walk and you don't faint. You stop flapping your wings. You open them up and you let the wind carry you. You let his strength become your strength. Ceasing from work is not ceasing from productivity. Ceasing from work is not ceasing from productivity. It's ceasing from using your own strength to produce. Rest is trusting that when I open my wings, the wind of the Holy Spirit is going to cause me to soar. You still run, you just don't grow weary. You still walk, you just don't faint. Why? Because you have waited on the Lord. And in the waiting, you become intertwined to the point where his strength becomes yours. And he doesn't. Listen, his strength becomes yours. And he doesn't grow weary or faint. And if his strength becomes yours then you don't grow weary or faint. We wait on the Lord. This is what it looks like to enter into the realm of confident rest that we talked about last week. Trusting that the wind is going to come and his strength becomes our strength. Amen? I want to show you what this looks like in the person of Jesus. Mark chapter 4 tells us a story where Jesus had just finished preaching to thousands of people for hours on end. The Bible says that they got into the boat, him and his disciples, and they began going across the sea to the other side of the lake. And we all know what happens every time the disciples get into a boat to cross the lake, right? A storm comes. So they're in the middle of the sea, and another storm comes, and this isn't just any ordinary storm. If you look at the words in the, in the Bible, it is actually a, a super, uh, it's, it's a large storm. It's, it's one that uh, makes these fishermen who are used to being on the water fear for their life. So this massive storm comes upon them. The winds and the wave begin crashing into them. And it says that Jesus, who was tired from preaching all day long, is getting his Sunday afternoon preacher nap in the bow of the ship. So the storm's raging, and he's taking a nap. Rest. The storm's raging, and he's so confident that he's asleep in the boat. His disciples are not so confident. And the, the word says in Mark, it says that the disciples shook Jesus awake. And they looked at Jesus and they said, how can you be sleeping? Are you not concerned that we are about to die? How many of you have ever felt like that before? You're in the middle of a situation and you feel so overwhelmed that you think it's very possible that I could die right now. And Jesus seems to be sleeping He's not rushing in, right? He's not rushing in to take away that anxiety. He's not rushing in to, I feel so overwhelmed. I'm crying out and he's just asleep in the bottom of the boat. 
So they shake Jesus and they wake him up. And they say, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to die? And then look what happens. Jesus sits up. He tells the storm to be calm. And immediately, the Bible says, the waters become perfectly still. Wouldn't you have loved to have been in the boat for that one? He tells the waters, the winds and the waves, he tells the storm to be still. And immediately the water becomes as smooth as glass. Then Jesus looks over at his disciples and he says, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? I like the way the Passion Translation puts it. He looks over at him and he says, haven't you learned to trust yet? Haven't you learned to trust? If Jesus rebukes them for their fear, that means that they didn't have to be afraid. If Jesus rebukes them for their, their fear, then that means that they had the ability in that moment to not be afraid. And it says that they were afraid. Why? Because they hadn't learned to trust. They hadn't learned to trust. Jesus, the Son of God, is in the boat with them. The best thing they could have done is lay down next to him and went to sleep with him. But instead, they allowed the storm to affect them. It says in verse 41, it says, they were overwhelmed and with fear and awe. How many of you ever felt that way? Overwhelmed with fear and awe. Church, I've been there more times than I'd care to admit. Overwhelmed with fear and awe. And Jesus looks at him and says, why? Why are you fearful? How is it? that you have no faith. Haven't you learned to trust yet? I said this last week, your level of rest is dependent on your level of trust. You will be at rest at the level that you trust. You will be at rest. You guys, we have to get that. You will be at rest at the level that you trust. The storm was raging, and Jesus said in that moment, you shouldn't have been afraid. I want you to look, though, at the rest that Jesus operates in in this moment. Not only is he not moved by the storm, but the storm becomes moved by him. The rest in him was so great that it caused the winds and the sea to come into a place of rest. That the rest in Jesus was so great that it caused the winds and the waves to come into a place of stillness. What if we become a people 
so intertwined with the Father that not only would we be at rest, but like Jesus, the rest we move in would cause the storms around us to be still. What if we come into a place of such rest that when we encounter the storms around us, we are not moved by the storms, but not only are we not moved by the storms, the storms become moved by the rest that is on the inside of us. This is what I mean when I said earlier that I believe the world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. One of the reasons I believe they're waiting is because they're looking to somebody who is able to look at the winds and the waves and say, peace, be still, and the winds and the waves become still. The rest I believe that we are to walk into, the rest that is our inheritance from the Father is not just for us. It's not just to calm our anxieties. It's not just so that we are not overwhelmed. It's also so that when we encounter the storms around us, we can look at them and say, peace, be still, and the waters become as smooth as glass. But church, we cannot get to that point if Jesus has to continually look at us and say, why are you afraid? Haven't you learned to trust yet? We're not going to be able to calm storms until we are able to trust in the middle of our storms. The world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. The world is waiting for us to trust the Father, to become so intertwined with him that we begin walking in our inheritance, that when storms come our way, no matter how big or how small that they are, they do not move us because we are intertwined with the Father. And we know that if we endure patiently in confident hope, the Lord will interact on our behalf. And when we come into a place of that kind of rest, the storms around us begin reacting to the rest that is on the inside of us. This is what I believe the Lord is moving us into. That we are going to be a people that come out of restlessness. We are going to be a people that come out of anxiety and fear. Fear that is within our own situation and lives, but also, listen, fear of what's happening in our nation. Fear, there, there's so much fear, not just in the world, but there's so much fear in the church of what's taking place in our country. Every time something doesn't happen the way it should happen, there's a fear that rises up. What, what are we going to do? But there's a rest coming. There's a rest that is available. What does the word say? That is available today. We talked about this last week that we can step into today, that no matter what happens in the world around us, it does not move us. It's not that we don't take responsibility. It's not that we are inactive. No, no, no. It doesn't move us, and it doesn't move us to the point where we can begin to move those mountains. He's calling us to a place of rest. He's calling us to a place of rest.
Go ahead and stand with me this morning. What does rest look like? What does ceasing from work look like? It looks like mounting up like wings, with the wings like eagles. Last week I I said, I quoted uh, a man named Damon. Says that religion's primary message, really religion's only message is try harder. Which means that the kingdom's message is stop trying so hard. How do we enter into a place of rest? We stop flapping our wings. We just open them up and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to cause us to ascend. We intertwine ourselves with the Father by waiting on the Lord. It's an active verb because we're actively waiting for his move. Father, I pray that you would teach us how to rest, Lord. God, that you would teach us how to step into a place called rest that is available to us right now today. Father, that we would be a people that don't walk around overwhelmed, that we would be a people that don't have constant anxiety and worry and fear, but instead we'd be a people that have a confident hope in our Father. Father, that you would teach us how to trust in a greater measure, Lord. That our faith would be strengthened. That you are certain. That you are dependable. That you are trustworthy. You are faithful. I will rest in your promises. My confidence is that you are faithful. Father, let us step into this place called rest so that when we encounter the storms around us, they do not affect us, but we begin to affect them in the name of Jesus. Father, that we would begin operating as your sons and daughters, that we'd begin operating as the ones that the world is waiting to be manifested. And that the world around us would come into a place of rest because the sons and daughters are here and they are at rest. Father, I pray specifically this morning for those in the room who are dealing with anxiety and fear, who are dealing with just constantly feeling overwhelmed. They're in that constant fight or flight mode. There's a constant t- tension. And some of, some of us, we, they can't even describe why they're in that constant state, but there's just this constant feeling of being overwhelmed. Father, I pray for them this morning. Father, that you would overwhelm them with your goodness, Jesus. Father, that they would be intertwined with you this morning. Father, that your strength would become their strength. That your peace would become their peace, Jesus. That your perspective would become their perspective. 
Father, and that as they do their daily things, Jesus, as they're doing their normal things, the things that normally would cause them to have anxiety and, and be uh, just overridden, being overwhelmed, Father, that as they begin to do those things, that there would just be a rest on the inside of them because they have become intertwined with you. Cause them this morning to soar like the, like the eagles, Jesus. Not working, but trusting. Father, we honor you this morning. I thank you, Jesus, that part of our inheritance as sons and daughters is to come into this place called the faith rest life. That we can operate in this place called rest. Not because we're worn out, but because we are in delight. Jesus, we honor you this morning. God, I thank you again for your rest. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit harmonychurchfamily.org.